welcome to another episode of Accessibility. It's a show on YouTube where I talk about the video game industry, accessibility and representation. Basically, how can we help more people to play games and more people to see themselves in the games they play? Often, when we talk about accessibility in video games, we talk about it, myself included, as if it's a much more static thing than it actually is. A lot of the time we'll talk about the launch day state of a game, we'll say, the Last of Us 2 on launch day was a very accessible video game, or we'll talk about major updates that happened as a result of internet pushback, things like Cyberpunk 2077 was not very accessible on launch day, but did have an update to fix one of its major problems. But usually, that's where the conversation around accessibility sort of ends. But as we know, video games aren't static products anymore. It's become commonplace for video games to release and for several months after their first release have updates and patches and basically just get finished once the game's already out. You get updates that fix bugs, updates that add more content to the game, updates that rebalance the game, but we don't ever really have conversations about whether those patches could be used to make games more accessible by adding in accessibility features that there wasn't time to implement before launch. Today on Accessibility, we're going to talk about post-launch accessibility support for games. We're going to talk about some games and some developers that are already doing things right, some developers that have only done things because of pushback or that have resisted adding accessibility features post-launch, and we're going to talk about why it's important that games not see their launch day state as the end goal of accessibility. Let's start off this week's episode of Accessibility by talking about some examples of post-launch accessibility support done right. One of the first developers I want to talk about this episode comes with a reminder and a disclaimer. Ubisoft as a company has a huge problem with workplace harassment. A Ubisoft staff survey found a whopping 25% of staff had witnessed or experienced workplace misconduct, and allegations of serious misconduct from upper management within the studio have still not been properly addressed. It feels important to remind people of this before getting into any praise of their specific game development practices. With that out of the way, I want to praise the folks in charge of accessibility at Ubisoft for their approach to post-launch accessibility support in their games. Ubisoft's AAA releases at the end of 2020 were making some impressive steps forward in terms of increased accessibility, enough that I've had to reassess my choice not to cover their games on this show. But the launch day state of their games is only part of the story, and has been for a couple of years. While Assassin's Creed Odyssey released back in October of 2018, the game was still receiving updates to improve the game from an accessibility standpoint four months later. An update released in February 2019, for example, added semi-transparent black background options for subtitles, as well as adding the ability to change subtitle size in-game, two features the game lacked at launch. Another example from around that time is Far Cry 5, which got updated to turn subtitles on as default so that players who needed subtitles weren't having to wait until the first cutscene ended to be able to turn them on. Ubisoft seems to have really embraced the idea of providing additional accessibility support to games post-launch, and while that shouldn't be used as a substitute for trying to get accessibility settings ready for launch, it's always good to see helpful settings that were missed, not just left eternally on the cutting room floor. Outside of Ubisoft, a lot of what we see in terms of post-launch accessibility updates for games come as a direct result of loud online discussion. Sometimes this is positive responses to requests for additional support, and other times it's hasty fixes to avoid bad press. If we look at Cyberpunk 2077, that game launched with a whole host of accessibility issues, 
ranging from overheard subtitles being impossible to resize, through to issues with button remapping. However, the headline that grabbed the most attention was the story of a game reviewer who experienced a seizure while playing the game, triggered by a specific sequence of flashing red and white lights. Cyberpunk's developer's CD Projekt Red quickly addressed this specific scene, removing the strobing light effect and adding a more prominent photosensitivity warning, because that accessibility issue brought in big headlines. But the developer didn't make any effort to reduce overall effects intensity in the game, nor did they address any of the less seizure-inducing accessibility concerns players had. This was a post-launch update to stop people being angry, but that's where their post-launch accessibility update seemingly ended. For a more positive example of post-launch accessibility support from 2020, we can look at Among Us, which, after exploding in popularity in the summer, started to receive messages to the developers from colourblind players about how they struggled to play one of the game's wire-cutting minigames. The developer, in a patch, updated the game so that the wires could be matched using symbols rather than colours, instantly opening up the game to a new group of players. In a perfect world, these features would have been in these games on launch day. It's not a secret that colourblind gamers, photosensitive gamers, and gamers who need larger text sizes exist. In a perfect world, we shouldn't need post-launch support to add these kind of features in. Still, talking about the reality that we have, these games did not have support for these disabled players when they launched, and they took time, post-release, to make those games more accessible, and as a result more people can play those games, and that's great, that's wonderful to see. If you can't get these things in at launch, the next best thing you can do is keep adding accessibility support post-launch. However, requests to developers for post-launch support for disabled players don't always go as planned, as is unfortunately demonstrated by an example that went awry that we're going to talk about recently. A week or so before this episode was published, multiplayer horror game Dead by Daylight made headlines for the way one of the game's development team responded to a request for post-launch colourblind mode support. Designer Ethan Larson said on his personal Twitch stream on January 12th that it was getting very boring to hear a viewer blabbing about colourblind mode all the time. We've heard it a million times, we know, we know. Continuing to badger us about it is not going to change anything. If it gets done, it will get done when we have time to do it, or someone decides that it's something that should be done. We know a lot of players want it, it's not a small number, we get it. While it's true that the request for colourblind support was being spammed by a user in Larson's chat at the time of his comments, it certainly was not a great way to respond to a request for a post-launch accessibility update. If you're frustrated by a user spamming in your Twitch chat, you can mute them or give them a block or a timeout, warn them not to spam their query, and just address the answer once. And while Larson may not have known the answer to this accessibility question off the top of his head as a designer, he is in a position as a designer on the game to seek out an answer about the topic. If he has been asked about this so often that he felt the need to go on an angry rant, he likely could have talked to others on the development team and just asked if such a mode was in development. Larson's words on Twitch were painted by many online outlets as an isolated incident, but were actually the culmination of around two years of colourblind players requesting colourblind mode support in a post-launch patch. The community had been rallying behind this as a cause for quite some time, and to have colourblind support finally acknowledged and blown off so rashly must have been highly frustrating for those involved. A clip from Larson's stream went viral, prompting developer Behaviour Interactive to speak out about the incident, stating that Larson's opinion was not indicative of views of the team, and they also stated that apparently they've had a colourblind mode in the works for some time, and while it's not ready to release, they hope to have an update available soon. Now, 
I obviously don't know how much Larson's comments accelerated the announcement of Dead by Daylight's colorblind mode, but I do know that it speaks to a larger issue within gaming accessibility that's kind of connected to this, treating accessibility settings as surprises to reveal. Let's say, hypothetically, Behaviour Interactive had been working on colorblind support in Dead by Daylight for the past couple of months. Maybe we take their comments at face value and assume it means something like that. What did they gain by keeping that a secret? Colorblind players have been requesting support for a couple of years. By telling players, we're working on a colorblind mode, we don't know when it's going to be ready, but we've heard your requests, players would have known that eventually they could play the game. That likely would have prevented Larson being asked about the feature in the first place. Accessibility settings are fundamental in some gamers knowing if they can or can't play a game at all. I personally feel that keeping them a surprise is just an odd decision. They're not a secret unlockable character or a DLC level, they're basic support so players can play your games. I think the important takeaway that I really hope people take from this video is that accessibility in video games is a process and not a finish line. I would love to see it become a standard that game developers update their games to be more accessible post-launch in the same way that they update them to have fewer bugs, or to have more player-requested settings, or to balance characters that are seen as too weak or too strong. I would love to see accessibility features be part of the post-launch patch roadmap. As much as I would rather see video games release in a finished, polished state, that's not the world we live in, and if we're going to live in a world of post-release patches, let's at least make use of that. If we can do patches to make games more enjoyable for more people, why not accessibility patches? Why not make them a thing? Because the more accessible your game is, the more people can play it, and the more people can buy it as a result, and the more that people will engage with your game. It's good for your game if you make it more accessible. Even if you don't have time before launch, don't throw that idea out. Don't get angry at players who ask for accessibility features to be added to your game, because the reason they're asking is because they're desperate to play. They want to buy your game, to play your game, to tell people about your game. It's good for your business if you make those people able to play your game. They, they just love the thing you're making. Be transparent about what accessibility features you have in the works, and just communicate with players, because those players who are asking for features they just want to be able to play your game. You made something cool and they want to get involved. 